I wonder if you've ever been given really good advice, really good advice. Um, at what point do you like to listen to, to good advice? If uh, some of you who are young had your mum call you into the room and say, sit down, I would like to give you some advice, how quick would you like to leave the room? Yeah? I remember what it was like. Do you remember what it was like, you know, having to sit down in front of your parents and they wanted to give you some good advice? You just didn't want to be there, did you? Just, just nod, okay? Yeah, just agree with me. He's disagreeing with you. Oh, you stay for advice, do you? Okay, right, okay. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, it does depend, doesn't it? Listening to parents. Um, do we still listen to parents? I mean, those of you who maybe still have parents who are alive, um, when do we listen to our parents? Um, sometimes we listen to them only when we realise that we really need to, okay? That's when we listen to good advice, isn't it? When we realise that we need to. Um, this psalm is, is from one person to others, giving advice, giving really good advice, advice that we really need to listen to. Here is advice in Psalm 32 from one forgiven sinner, and he's, he's saying that everyone else needs to, to listen to this. And the reason why he's saying everyone else needs to listen to this is he's highlighting a massive problem. He's highlighting a massive problem. And there are massive consequences if we don't listen. It's a massive problem. And there are massive consequences if we don't listen. It's the, it's the typical thing of growing up, isn't it? That you, you don't really want to listen to your parents' advice until it becomes too late. And then you realise, oh, that's why they said those things. Here's one piece of advice that we really need to listen to. And there are massive consequences if we don't. And the psalmist, he highlights this through the song, this, this experience. And the first thing I want to encourage us with this is there's this relief. The relief of repentance. The relief of repentance. Verses 1 to 4, blessed, relief, happy, blessed to be happy, to be relieved, happy, blessed, relieved as the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, blessed, happy, relieved as the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. The psalmist is, is relieved, he's over the moon, he's utterly joyful, utterly happy because he's received forgiveness of sins. His sin is being covered. It's being taken care of. There, there's not a single iniquity. There's not a single sin. There's not a single wrongdoing that is being counted against him. There's integrity. He's relieved. Because at one point... It wasn't like that for him. At one point, it was altogether very, very different. At one point, verse 3 says, he kept silent. His bones were wasting away. He was suffering physically, groaning all day long. And he knew, verse 4, that God, night and days, God's hand was heavy 
upon him. His, his, his strength was, was sapped. He's utterly happy right now, but there was a time when he wasn't. You see, this psalm is reminding us of the misery of sin. Of the misery of sin. It's an understanding of, of, um, of going back and, and, and think about your life before you were a Christian. Sin and its misery and the torture of it. For him, it was a physical thing. He was aware of it. But now, he's blessed. Now, he's happy. When we, as churches, we, uh, we think about all the things that we're, we're able to do, we need to pray, don't we? That God would do a work of his spirit. That, that there would come a time when people will no longer keep silent. That they will no longer keep quiet. They will no longer say, well, it, it doesn't really matter. That we need to pray that there's this conviction that this man has experienced. He's experienced for this first time this conviction that, that his sin is doing him absolutely no good at all. And when he came to the point, when he realized that actually this heavy hand of God was upon him. And then finally, to be able to not keep silent, but to acknowledge his sin. And then, verse 5, I acknowledged it. I didn't cover it up. And I confessed my sin. That relief to finally come to an understanding that it was misery, that it was torturous, that it was worthless, it was worth nothing. And when he acknowledged, when he didn't cover it up, when he confessed, verse 5, you forgave me. You forgave my iniquity of my sin. The relief of repentance you see, the Bible says that God made this beautiful world. We live in it. You can see it. You can experience it. And it was made good. Genesis chapter 1. You see everything that God made. It was good. And then God made Adam and Eve. And he told them. He said, this is how we're to live. And not long after that, as they were told, don't do this one thing. What do they do? They eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And through that, when God says, surely you will die, death and destruction and decay are brought into the world. Now listen, there's not always a link between sin and suffering. But for this person, there, there was. And sometimes our, our, our sin manifests itself in, in different ways. We can read about it in Scripture Sin can manifest it in different ways and following after sin and sinful desires can manifest it in difficult ways. There's a parable of a sower and it talks about wealth. And we might think, well, well wealth is a good thing and, and money is a good thing, but it also talks about the, the worries of wealth and it talks about the anxiety that brings to have all this stuff and how you worry about how to look after those things. 
sin can manifest itself in different ways. But then there's also the consequences of, of doing what is wrong. If you steal, you can get caught. There are consequences for doing those things. Do you see? Sin is torturous, isn't it? There are consequences. And for this person, it was a physical thing. And for others, there are other uh, manifestations of it. And it didn't do him any good. And when he was finally coming to his senses, there was something that was dramatic. It's like the parable of the prodigal sons. And the one's younger son says to his father, I want my inheritance. I want it now. And he runs off to a distant country. And there he squanders his wealth in wild living. And what does he experience? He experienced that torturous pain of, of wanting to eat even the food of the pigs. It's a reminder, isn't it, of the nature of sin. And where it can take you. And yet, as he came to his senses, and yet as he came to his conviction, and yet as he um, had his mind turned and his heart turned, repentance for him wasn't just this, this verbal thing of, look, I, 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 I've done something wrong. He realized he'd sinned against God. And there was that dramatic turn of wanting to come back and coming back to his heavenly father. Repentance is, is dramatic. And you can imagine that, that, uh, that physical experience that he had, but being able to come and to see his, his, his father kind of running towards him and, and clothing him. A changed position before a holy God. And in that moment, his life was transformed. And you see, for you and I, when we confess our sin, something dramatic happens. We're taken out of darkness into light. We're taken from condemnation to liberation. We're taken from the wrath of God to the peace of God. There's relief. There's relief. It's to be blessed. It's to be happy. There's relief in repentance before a holy God. Secondly, there's the relief of God's mercy, verses 6 to 8. His, his, the psalmist, and he's experienced this relief. He's experienced this repentance. And he's experienced the joy of, of not having his sin counted against him turns to others therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found you see he doesn't want others to go through that experience he doesn't want others to continue in that experience he doesn't want others to have that misery and he says look to God who can be found you see my friend this is the remarkable thing isn't it God can be found. He can be found. Jesus says, if you seek God with, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will find him. 
And the psalmist says, let everyone who's godly offer prayer. Pray to God. Ask him to show yourself. He can be found. But also says, offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. He can be found. But the relief of God's mercy might not last forever. It might not last forever. God can can give us over to our sin. God can give us over and and say, well, if you you really want to run away from me, if you really want to to, to run as far from me as possible, then then you can do that. And it doesn't have to be the, just like the younger son that, that went off to a distant country. It could be the other one, the older son, who was close to his father and actually turned out that he was just as far away from God as even the younger one, or even further away from God, as he didn't even want to be with his father. You see, God can give us over to our sin. And we mustn't take God's mercy for granted. Think of Pharaoh and the story of Egypt. And he had opportunity after opportunity to, uh, to let God's people go. And what happened to Pharaoh in his heart? It became hard, didn't it? There is mercy to be found. But remember the great waters. Remember there is mercy to be found, but there is the trouble of the great waters. It's an allusion to judgment, isn't it? The troubles of water like a flood. That there is a time. And today is a day of God's salvation. Today is a day of God's mercy. And today is a day when you can find him. And you can be at peace. You can be blessed and you can be full of joy and you can have the relief of repentance. You can have the relief of God's mercy. Do you remember when you, I don't know if this still happens, but you walk down the high street. Do you know those, um, sometimes you see them, they're they're the people wearing sandwich boards, sandwich boards, yeah? And can you remember sometimes seeing them if you go shopping and you can see the sandwich boards and it says something like this, repent or be, do you you know the ones I'm talking about? We, We still see them, don't we? Is that a bad thing? Well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends, doesn't it? What if somebody is really struggling? What if somebody is really suffering and then they, they come out of uh, the hospital and maybe they've been diagnosed with something and they, and they know that, um, that, that the life is short and they, they're walking down the high street and then they see this message, they see this board and God uses that message. God uses that stark warning of Repent, for God is going to judge. What if somebody comes to to faith like that? For you see, God's judgment is real. And the Bible says that every knee will bow. But when we call on God, when we find his mercy, we're reminded, verse 7, that we find a hiding place preservation from trouble and that God guards us and surrounds us with shouts of deliverance and he instructs us and teaches us in the way we should go when we when we find God as a refuge he shows us in the way that we are to go we find a savior we find hope and we find salvation Recently, I've, um, 
I've been on several courses um, that some people would consider to be incredibly dangerous. Now, I can't tell you what those courses are, because if my mum is watching, she's going to have a real go at me straight afterwards, okay? But several courses that are incredibly dangerous. But one of the things about going on these courses that are incredibly dangerous, it is just the most amazing thing to have an expert standing right beside you. An expert who's telling you what to do. An expert who's saying, don't push the red button. An expert that's telling you to be cautious. An expert that's telling you what might happen if you do this. An expert that is teaching you. An expert that is showing you how to be safe. And that's what we have with the Lord. That when we repent of our sins, when we find his mercy, we are found to be in the arms of the Lord. And God is for us and not against us. And God's word will be open to us. And you will see things in God's word that you might have read years and years before that, that felt like this dusty old book, this old story that was just something in history, but then it becomes alive. And you realize that he is instructing you and teaching you in the way that you should go. You find you have God's Spirit come and live inside of you. And God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, comes and illuminates the words of Scripture and, and helps you to walk in Him and with Him. The relief of repentance, the relief of God's mercy, and finally the relief of trusting God. What does trouble point to when you have it in your life? When you, when you find yourself in, in trouble, as the psalmist found himself in? Physical trouble? Sometimes it's not physical trouble. What, what, what does it point to? Has, has anyone ever said to you something like this? So many bad things are happening to me right now. It's as if someone's trying to say something to me. Has anyone ever said that to you? So many bad things are happening right now to me. It's as if... Someone's trying to say something to me. Or sometimes people say, so many bad things are happening to me as if God's trying to say something to me. Or sometimes they say, so many bad things are happening to me as if God is against me. You see, the psalmist in verses 9 to 11, he wants to point others. He wants to make sure others, they have this wonderful relief of trusting God so that they too avoid much trouble that they too avoid much harm. It's a bit like this horse, the horse that he talks about, a horse or a mule, that, that doesn't really understand why these things are happening because it's, it's being controlled, but it doesn't understand why. It doesn't understand the direction it's going in or it's meant to, but it's being controlled. It doesn't understand why it's being handled in that way. The psalmist wants others too to avoid all that trouble. Listen now, the Christian life is not guaranteed to be trouble-free. It's not guaranteed to be difficulty-free. But God's word is also true in the same sense that there is blessing by following God. There is blessing that follows obedience. And there is, at the same time, damage that comes 
when you follow sin. And we're to be reminded by that. That we can save ourselves and we can save others. A whole host of difficulties and, and problems and anxieties by, by telling people, look, there is relief in trusting God and his ways. It's not always obvious, but do you see there in verses 10 and 11, many are the sorrows of the wicked. But steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. I don't have to this evening have to go through all the different things that uh, are, are wicked and that could go wrong. You know it for yourselves, don't you? You know it for yourselves and the decisions that you make and, and you know the ones, the way you, you're making a decision and you know it's a contrary to God's words and you know there are consequences for those things. But when you trust in God, when you follow his way, then there is gladness, verse 11. There is rejoicing and there is a shout for joy. The Christian life is not a promise that everything will go well. But this is about worship to God, isn't it? This is about worship to God where you recognise where you have come from. That you recognise your silence. And that point in time where you spoke up and you confessed your sin. You had that relief of repentance. You found that relief of mercy where you escaped God's judgment and you found a refuge and you found a hiding place. And then as you continue to trust God and his ways, as you start following his word and what is right for you and what is good for you, it brings out this wonderful joy in you that even though you might struggle, that even though you might suffer, that there is a hope that awaits you. I think back and maybe you do about all the advice that you've received in, uh, in life. I try to recall back what it was like to be a really, really young person. I was trying to think about the advice that you receive from really, really young people. And it might have been something like this, and I, I, I can't remember exactly, but it would have been, oh, I, oh I, I did this this weekend, or, or I just got this toy, or you really got to have this, or you've got to play this game. You get good advice like that, isn't it? And it's fun, isn't it? And then I think I remember in my 20s, you'd get different kinds of advice. Or, oh, did you watch this on the weekend? You know, did you watch that TV series? Or did you watch the latest episodes of Friends? Do you all remember what Friends were? Yeah, it's not that far ago. You know, did, and Joey did this and Joey did that. You know, there'd be things that you'd do and you'd, you'd, you'd say, did you entertain yourself with things like that? And when you get to your 30s, you get other advice, thinking, oh, yeah, you know, have you thought about buying a you know, house and, and mortgage and things like that and, and savings, interest rates, and it, and it kind of goes up a level, doesn't it? And then you get to the 40s or whatever. And recently, my advice, has been, my advice that I've been given is this. You need to take more vitamin D. <laughs> advice changes, doesn't it? And we are told, look, you must try this. This does wonders for your heart. Advice changes over time, doesn't it? But our position before God, no, no. We all need to listen 
to this. We all need to remember that we need to offer prayer while God may be found. For surely, in the rush of the great waters, they shall not reach him. Just this past week, there's been many shocks, but there was that great big shock, wasn't there? Of all those people who lost their jobs with, with P&O ferries. And the way it was done, it was just out of the blue. It was completely unexpected. It came when you did not expect it at all. Just like that, it was brought upon them. My friends, we need to be shocked by sin. We need to be shocked by the misery that it causes. We need to be shocked by the consequences of it in this life. We need to be shocked by the consequences of it for eternity. But to remind ourselves, the judgment can come like a thief in the night. Unexpected, whilst you're unaware. And more recently, as you talk to people, as you meet your friends, as you meet your neighbours, don't you realise, don't you see that they too are worried? That they too have concerns? That they too have problems? And that they too have struggles? And they too have anxieties? And they too are part of this where they live in a fallen world? And they too are struggling? And what do they need in this fallen, difficult and challenging world. They need somebody like you, who is utterly blessed that they have been forgiven, who is utterly blessed that they were able to confess with their mouth and finally say, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then they need somebody like you to say to them, why don't you too call to God while he may be found? We need to be ready, don't we, to give a reason for the hope that we have. We need to be ready, don't we, to counsel others too. So that in their difficulties, they can have this relief, this joy, this happiness of repentance, of no longer getting trapped and stuck and being a slave to, to, to their sin, but to, to be free and to enjoy God's mercy to enjoy God's word and to, and to see what life looks like in all its fullness and what it means to follow him. And that they too continue to trust in the Lord and find relief in him. And that they too one day will be able to say, I'm glad, I'm rejoicing, I'm shouting for joy because of what Jesus Christ has done for 